Welcome to Fire and Water, coming of age in this age with Quanita Robertson and Tennyson Wool, cultivating wise leaders one show at a time. So um, one of the reasons that I wanted to do grief as our first show is um, I just believe that there has to be a letting go of old stuff so that new stuff could come in. And so for me, in starting the podcast, I think it's important that we let go of some of the old stuff. And a conversation around grief, I think, is just a perfect place to start. Yeah, if I pick that up, Quinita, I, I can feel that also. You and I have had conversations on grief, and, and uh, uh, we each have our lived experiences also, and we, we're, we're with people in their lived experiences. So. Um, yeah, I can feel the the there's a there's an like there's an essential honesty or something about coming into relation our relationship, who we are as human beings in relationship to grief, that feels like fingers crossed it might just clear the way both internally and externally for some, you know, some some needed progress or or deepening or getting to the heart of it or something like that. What do you think of some um, gifts or lessons learned about or from grief? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I'm, I'm going to start with a couple of images because these were the things that sort of arrived as I've been thinking. And I just want to start with images. Uh, start with the first one here. There's a book that you loaned me by Francis Weller around grief, The Wildness of Sorrow, I think it's called. And I've been looking through that book a little bit with a little trepidation, like, ooh, I really want to read this, and I'm kind of a little nervous to read it too. And that is some of me in relationship to grief and a little avoidance of it also. But one of the things that caught my attention and as I sat with it earlier today was around the wildness piece of it. And thinking of sorrow as a wild creature or thinking of grief as a wild creature, the image that comes with me, comes to me with that, was of a like a wild wolf, like almost, you know, sitting out in the the well, in the image that I had, it was sitting out in a little bit of a prairie and having this this wolf come up to me and not in an attacking way but just coming and I, I have a bit of an affiliation with wolves in part because of my last name but there's something about them as creatures as animals that really has drawn my attention the wildness of the animal and i'm kind of staring into the wolf's eyes it's not it's not a confrontation in the image that i'm thinking it's just there but I'm aware that um, there's wildness in the creature and that this creature is also majestic, you know? It, it, it's like it, it's, it's coming and laying down in the grass near me or, you know, it, it's close by. Something in that image feels compelling to me with Francis Weller's description there around the wildness and helps me it sort of moves me as I think about grief. And though I'm speaking personally, I'm, I'm thinking it out loud as applying to 
more than just the personal here. This is many people and in many contexts or even group contexts. How we be in our grief or in our sorrow as if we would be in relationship to a wild creature, the wolf in my image, feels helpful. Something to watch and be really thoughtful about. And ooh, there's something actually really beautiful about it. The second image that I offer into this that came to me just a few moments ago was I'm thinking of my garden and the way that grief needs to be tended, you know, like it's not a one-time check thing, uh, needs to be tended. And I'm thinking of my gardens and how for me when I travel, uh, sometimes the, you know, by the time I get back from travels in the spring slash summertime, the garden is like gone crazy with growth or weeds or tall things that are in there that I don't necessarily want. The untending of a garden has me thinking about the untending of grief. When I tend my garden as in, oh, here's five minutes between phone calls, I think I'll just go out and pull a few little tiny weeds. It's nothing and it's fun to do. When I don't tend it and now need to jump into a major, pull out these massive tall weeds, it's a, it's a much bigger effort. It points me towards something around the process that is being in relationship or tending to grief and sorrow, not just the eventness of that. Let me pause. What does that stir in you? Uh, the first thing that the untending makes me think about is <clears throat> Martine Prechtel saying that the piece about, as Americans, we don't know how to grieve because we think we can grieve alone and grief requires community. Mm -hmm. Because he says, you know, we'll never go to the depths of our grief because we're all afraid we'll drown in it. And so we kind of go in the grief a little bit, but we don't always go to the bottom, which means we kind of stay in the same pool instead of coming out the other side and then going into another one. So it makes me think of that, that tending to that we as a culture don't do very well in tending to grief. And the other piece that he says that I love, that I just for years have kind of sat with this whole idea of grief isn't about sadness, it's mm -hmm. about release. Mm -hmm. You know, and he says that when you're grieving the thing that you've lost, we call it grief, but when you're grieving the thing that you got, we call it praise. Mm -hmm. And he said, because to really know how to praise something, you need to know what would be lost if it was gone. Mm -hmm. And just that whole concept of, what if I thought about grief also in the terms of just release mm -hmm. and what does that open up for me and how I hold it, how I view it, how I dance with it. The other piece that came up for me around this piece of grief is I, I believe that one of the biggest lies that we tell in this culture around grief is that we all grieve differently. Mm. And I don't think that's true. I think we all avoid grief differently. Mm. And I think the story that we all grieve differently gives us permission to avoid it. Mm. But the grief is just feeling of the sadness and the pain and the, and the release, whatever that release might be. And we tend to hold back on that mm. and use all different ways to justify the holding back. But that feeling of our emotions is just the same for everybody. Mm. I have had the privilege, opportunity, to walk with lots of people through grief. Mm -hmm. And what I found for myself, and it took me a long time to realize this, is that I used to think 
that grief automatically came with suffering. <laughs> I thought I thought you couldn't have one, you couldn't have grief without suffering. But what I've learned is that that's not necessarily the case, that the suffering is the resistance to grief. It's not grief itself. That when I'm not in resistance and I just let it go through me, it's sad, but it's not suffering. I don't always know how to do that. But I, this whole idea that I just always thought that they came together. I think those are the, the things that kind of pop up for me when I'm initially thinking about grief. Yeah, that's definitely part of the learning for me. I think in, in needing to snoop around a little bit more with some of the difference, say, between sadness and grief. I'm a person who can relate to feeling a lot of sadness, some of, but I, I can relate to, oh boy, lots of sadness. And yet grief seems something related, but more than that. Um, for me, it's been uh, uh, an awareness to, uh, to realize that just the sadness is not enough. Like there's an active process or an active something around grieving that I don't fully understand either. This is where I find myself reaching out to, to friends or reaching out to others so as to be held perhaps in the the release of the sadness you've often said something like people are you know people are afraid they're going to drown and it occurs to me that when the sadness is so strong in the first place and in an attempt to grieve we're you know we're leaning into more of that sadness of course there's going to be fear that it'll be too much so your words about needing community or needing friends or needing process for that matter held by others or with others to support some of the the essential grieving that we need feels feels really important and i'm thinking you know it's easy to find it individually but mm -hmm. as easy as it is to find it individually i also think there's just incredible layers of uh, shared grief or group grief that exists, even if it's not consciously thought about or even consciously aware of. It, it's like, you know, if, the, if, if there's a forest fire nearby and there's smoke in the air, you may not think about it, but you're still living in that smoke. And uh, it seems to me that grief, grief can be that way also. Uh, the grief of the planet, uh, the grief of confrontation, ah, the grief of conflict, the general contexts of these things. You know, we're, we're living in them, in them as groups also. I think so much of what we experience now culturally as rage and as anger and frustration is just unfelt grief. Right. You know, it's like it's easier in our culture to do the other things mm -hmm. than to really just sit in the sadness and grieve and let it flow through us. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's difference, um, Quanita, in a masculine relationship with grief and a feminine relationship with grief? I think there's, I think there's difference in the way that maybe our culture allows us to have access to it. Yeah. You know, I think that in our culture, women are more allowed to yeah. be in the grief mm -hmm. and to, to be in their feelings in general, not just grief. Mm -hmm. 
well, kind of. I said that now I want to kind of go back because I think that not necessarily our feelings in general um, in certain places. I think we're more allowed to be in the grief than we allow men to be in the grief. Mm-hmm. I think men hear a lot more of the, you know, man up or, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's okay, brush it off, that kind of stuff than women do. Yeah. And I even think that in our culture, we use being emotional as being feminine as a way to put someone down to, mm-hmm. you know, that don't be a sissy kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I wonder though, like, what are the spaces that are needed mm-hmm. to give us more access to grief? Mm. It, it just the the thing that it raises for me, connects for me, is a lot of my learning lately through uh, a couple of good teachers. Let's just say for now they're really encouraging a simple process that is awareness like even just becoming aware in a in a like non-judgmental way just just become aware of what is the thinking or feeling that's going on uh when you ask that question about you know what are the places that we need that's a that's an immediate place that i'm feeling fruitful these days, which I'm trying to find a little bit of what's behind it. I'm thinking it out loud together here. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the, even, even just the permission is a bit of a loaded word, but just the permission to feel what is already there and real. And e- even if it's just a momentary legitimizing and let's call it grief now, but even a momentary legitimizing of that can have significant impact. So, you know, maybe that doesn't speak so much to your question, but it speaks to some relevant dynamic in that of, or practice or cultural way of being that is maybe largely denied in Western civilization or Western societies, let's say, to just actually feel it. Let me try to pull that down to an example also, because recently was with some people and one of in in hosting a group and one of the participants had shared openly about some of his own struggles with depression or his own struggles with despair. And when I listened to that person in the context of many people speaking and sharing some stories, I know I felt it personally and perhaps in the group also that there's just a relief that shows up for any of us who are trying to hide those things, even without knowing it, you know, just like avoiding them. There's a, there's a, I I experience a relief in the permission to acknowledge even for the moment. Ah, that's true for me too. Or that's like what's happening for me too. So when you say spaces, you know, if I try to connect that back a little bit, it's like when we have containers, you and I use circle so often to hold a deeper space with one another, with with the people that we're with. When there is a container, i.e. a circle, in which those kinds of things can be spoken into the middle, and we get a kind of 
without needing to fix anything, just a real authentic witnessing or a more authentic witnessing with each other, that alone seems to help to, you know, to poke into a little bit more of the relationship or the masked relationship with grief and sorrow and other other cousins related to that. Thank you for joining Fire and Water with Quinita Robertson and Tennyson Wolfe.